Brother Arnie announced this. We'll be receiving some new members this morning. And uh, this is a very joyfully exciting time for me. And I hope for everybody here. You know, Brother John Kobutz had a, had a seminar at our church in Ohio on the church. And one of the one evenings he talked about church membership. And I'm not sure what all he said that night. But I remember one statement that he, a question that he asked. He said, you know, some people say that being a member of the church is not important. At least I have a question. How can you be a member of the church and not be a member of the church? That's a question hard to answer. If you're going to be a, church, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ, how can you not be a member of the church? That's just part of it. Anyhow, um, it's interesting. You know, we use the term belong to the church. You know, do you belong to the church? Uh, that's a good question. Actually, I almost like that term better than member of the church. As far as the perspective, do you belong to the church? You can be a member of the church and not belong to the church. Because you can distance yourself and, you know, yeah, I got my membership, but, but you know... I had a friend one time, it was pretty distressing. He said, you know, we go to church, but he said, we have no friends there. They were members, but they didn't feel like they belonged. Somehow, I don't know what that problem was. Maybe it was the congregation's fault. Maybe it was their fault. Maybe they were distant. Maybe the congregation is distant. But, if the membership or if the term belonging to church is going to be meaningful, it's not like Richard and Sharon and Vanessa and Beth are going to join us. We join them, too. You see, our relationship that's being established here officially this morning is a two-sided relationship. In fact, the matter, uh, when uh, Sandra and Ryan got married and the church in Blooming, uh, Sandra, what did I say? Sandra and Matt. All right. All right. That sounds better, doesn't it? Well, I get taking care of at home. I don't correct that one. Anyhow, Sonder and Matt got married. He says, the, the preacher says, in their service, in their wedding service, they say, alright, you were called here to be a witness. That produces a distinct obligation to this couple standing up front. And in their wedding services, they have the people stand and support of what they are witnessing today and, and, 
and commit themselves to support the marriage that is established there that day. In their circles, they do that. And I'm thinking, that's a great idea. Can you, as Prairie Church, support what's happening here today? If you can, stand to your feet. Thank you. You may be seated. So, Richard and Sharon, Vanessa and Beth, be it understood that not only are you committing yourself to pray church, we are committing ourselves to you this morning. This is a very special time. Uh, we invite them up front, and I would invite also the, the spouses of uh, Vanessa and Beth to come up for this time here.
bring greetings to you this morning in our Savior's precious name. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Psalms 5. I wasn't exactly sure what to share this morning. I thought about the uh, aspect of the growth and bringing in new members. While I'm not focusing directly on that, I, I, it's, a, it's a dimension. What I want to share this morning is a dimension that will, will stimulate growth in our personal lives and also collectively as followers of Jesus Christ. Some time back, and I don't know how long ago it was, I, in my personal devotions, I, I read this psalm and it, uh, it stuck with me probably over a month ago. And uh, I couldn't, uh, couldn't shake it from my mind and my thinking. And uh, so, uh, consequently, this, this message uh, would have gotten shared the other Sunday if Arnie hadn't volunteered. Actually, I didn't have written notes, but I think I probably could have uh, winged it from my hip, possibly. But I was glad I had some more time to prepare. Uh, the title of my meditation this morning is Morning Larks or Night Owls. Uh, maybe you'll get the connection of where I'm going with this, perhaps. And I'd like to build around verse 3 of this psalm. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and will look up. Ben Franklin is credited with the quote, he says, Early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. Is that true? Okay, not universally. Uh, well, it's, it's a lot like many Proverbs or wise sayings. They're, in generality, they may be true. There may be a certain amount of truth to them. Uh, but, uh, and many times more likely, but with some exceptions. It may not be true necessarily, according to what, uh, along with what Brother Ryan was saying. We like the thought, uh, at least the reward part of it, we like the uh, idea of thinking, okay, here's something that I can, I can control. Uh, we think the idea of being healthy, wealthy, and wise. We like that dimension of it, don't we? But uh, sometimes getting to bed earlier is a problem. Uh, and then the getting up earlier is even a bigger problem. But uh, that's why I, I entitled my meditation this morning, or yes, this morning, <laughs> Morning Larks or Night Owls. Uh, sometimes as we visit, we share and we say, uh, and we hear people comment, we say, well, he or she is a morning person, uh, or he or she is a night owl. Uh, we have friends, I have no friends who are, they're not morning people. They, they can go way into the night, and, uh, you know, they, uh, they seem to be able to, you know, be productive. And uh, I in no way am... Uh, and you'll hear, hear me out on this because I'm not necessarily singling them out as being uh, less than what they should be. And in this psalm, I think there are some truths that we can apply regardless of uh, whether we are a morning person or whether we are a night person. I'd like to read this entire psalm, beginning at verse 1. Psalm 5, Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and will look up. For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all the workers of iniquity. 
Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy, and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. Destroy thou them, O Lord, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against thee. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. For thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous with favor. Wilt thou compass him as with a shield? Now, to me, that's a very, very powerful psalm. and tells something about David's love and commitment and devotion to his maker. There was one other thing I was going to mention. I came across this study. And uh, I would consider, I'm going to give a personal uh, acknowledgement here. I guess I would consider myself a, a more of a morning person than an evening person. I, my, my productivity is better in the morning than the evening. Uh, this study was done in 2012. It says that morning people are happier than night owls. They did a study of 435 uh, young people aged 17 to 38, and then they compared it to an older bracket, 297 people 59 to 79 in age. Uh, and that was the, 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 the material for their study. And they interviewed them and studied their lives and said that older adults tended to be happier than the study group of the younger adults, 17 to 30 age, or 17 to 38 in age bracket. It said uh, they also discovered in their study, and I'm not sure how long the study ran, but by the age of 60, quite a few people from that, in that younger bracket, that only 7%, I think, had identified themselves in that younger bracket as being morning people. And uh, they said by the time some of those people had transitioned in age-wise to 60, they have actually transitioned to more morning-oriented people. So they concluded, they said, as we age, we, we probably transition somewhat in our lifestyle. Now, again, that's not a blanket statement. They said there was a certain percentage that still maintained their, uh, their night uh, frame of reference, I guess you could call it. But I thought that study was interesting. Uh, and I guess uh, you could defute that. Uh, I'm not sure what they based the, the happiness premises on. Uh, I would certainly hope if you are a night person and a Christian that you could still be happy. Uh, well, I'll leave that there. Uh, it's interesting in the scripture, David mentions the word morning 18 times in the book of Psalms. In the entire Bible, we see it listed. 224 times in reference to a time of day. You know, we use that expression, good morning, many, you know, many times. We meet people in the morning, we say, good morning. We wish them a good morning. Uh, well, what does it take uh, to have a good morning? Well, the folks at General Mills and Kellogg's would like to have us believe that it takes a, a bowl of their cereal to have a good morning. Add it with some berries and milk, of course. But uh, is that actually what it takes to have a, a good morning? Well, I, again, that uh, uh, would be up to your discretion, I guess. It's an advertising ploy. The uh, 
Hotel chains have come up with names for their continental breakfasts like Superstart, Sunshine Breakfasts, and there's many more. And, uh, you know, they're saying that, okay, you sleep here, we'll give you good breakfast, and your day should be off to a good start. And, uh, again, that, uh, that is part of it. I think that's a portion of it. But there's some things that are way, way more important than, than that. And I think, David, we want to look at this psalm this morning, and whether you are a night-oriented person or a morning-oriented person, uh, there are some principles and truths here that will get us off to a good start in our day with the Lord. Now I realize, and I want you to—I want to give this clarification. You know, uh, the term uh, and time designated to morning is—it can be very broad. We're still in the morning yet, and uh, we would have another R yet for this morning, probably. Uh, you know, we use the term forenoon sometimes, and we know that's getting toward later morning, toward the noon time. So, uh, if you get out of bed at 11 o'clock, you're still getting up in the morning. I don't know if anybody does that or not, but uh, I'll give you, I'll be very broad in general and liberal in my expression this morning. Uh, I'm going to leave that with you. So uh, that morning, and it can go the other way. You can get up at 1 o'clock in the morning, and it's still morning. So you have a 12-hour window there. So uh, hopefully, uh, but again, I want to emphasize this as we share this morning, as we look at this Psalm of David, and I want to challenge you that there's principles and truths here for us to grow in our walk with the Lord. So regardless when our day begins, there are spiritual truths here for us. And I want to look at this psalm here. There's five points I, I want to lift out from this psalm here. First of all, I was impressed with the way David begins. He says, give ear to my words, O Lord. Uh, I think he's, it's like saying good morning to God as he woke up. Uh, Let him talk to you, verses one, to, uh, verses 1 through 3. Uh, I don't know if you thought about this or not, but you know, in Psalms 121, it tells us that David uses this expression, He that keepeth Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. I don't know if you thought about this anticipation as, as God's children go to bed at night and go to sleep, and uh, you know he's waiting, he's waiting for you to wake up so that you can talk to him again, and he can talk to you. Uh, that's the picture I get here from from David, you know, God doesn't need to sleep. God is awake all the time. Matter of fact, as His people span the globe, you know, it's daylight somewhere all the time. So some of God's children are awake all the time. But as I was thinking about that, you know, as as God's as the time as His morning revolves, as the earth is revolving around the sun, and morning keeps moving, and God's children keep waking up, you know, God in anticipation is is waiting to hear from you personally. First of all, uh, I believe God desires to hear from his children first thing in the morning. Well, what can we, what should we talk to God about? I think we can thank him for the night of rest. Uh, it's, it's, it's wonderful the way God has created us. You know, the scriptures tell us that the, the sleep of a laboring man is sweet. And the fact that we can lay down in full trust and confidence at night, give our bodies the rest. They're designed to, to need rest and to experience that rest. And even this seventh day of worship is a day of rest and worship as well. God designed us to have one day out of seven that we focus on Him. We give complete uh, worship, a time of worship and uh, a time of rest from our daily activities. 
Thank Him for the safety that we've experienced through the night. You know, our world is full of evil. You know, I had to think as I, I thought about our understanding of God. You know, what is it that uh, helps us to understand God? And if there's anything to me, as I thought about that, if there's anything to me that helps me to understand God and His relationship to me, it's probably my role as a parent. Uh, you know, you think how we tuck our used to tuck our small children into bed at night, and uh, you know we want them to sleep, and then we we like when they wake up in the morning. And typically, you know, the morning was probably the best time for children; they're happiest, at least generally speaking. Uh, but you know, I think that gives us a perspective of what our what God's relationship is like to me. Uh, it's a blessing that God has entrusted to us that responsibility as, as parents to be procreators of the race. And uh, it helps us to understand perhaps a bit more of, of God's perspective of him relating to me as a child. Notice the names that David uses here uh, in relation. He uses three expressions here. He says, O Lord... And he says, my king and my God. As I think about my relationship to God and my focus daily on him, or my relationship daily with him, is he my Lord? Is he truly enthroned uh, in, on, on the throne of my life? I need a daily reminder of that, that God is on the throne of my life daily. Uh, you know, we talked about that a little bit in the Sunday school lesson. We were talking about the, the idea of the paycheck. Is it my paycheck? Is it the Lord's paycheck? Uh, we are truly indebted to God. My possessions, my goals, my ambitions, they belong to Him. He who sits on the throne of my life. He, is, he needs to be Lord of my life. He is actually really the only one that is qualified to be Lord of my life. He has created me. He has created you. And beyond that, He has died for you. He has purchased you back by His redemptive work on Calvary. He is actually the only one that deserves to be Lord of our lives. And so many times, we sell out so much for so much less. We, we try to allow self to reign. We allow, allow other things to idols to be in our lives. And it's, we're cheating ourselves. What about the idea of king? Uh, this clearly, I think, places David here, I think, probably had an understanding of it in a dimension better than I or any of us do. You know, a kingship is not something that we relate to totally today, but yet I think we can learn. It clearly places me in the role of servant and subject. Uh, again, it takes daily, at minimum, contacts to stay focused on what his expectations are of, of are for me today. Uh, when I think of kingship, I think of honor, I think of tribute, and I think of service. And, uh, you know, those are three things that I think go along with the idea of kingship. Do I have the honor uh, for God that I ought to have? Uh, the idea of tribute, giving Him the first fruits of my life. And again, this would come back to the morning. Do I give him the best time of my day to him? Am I willing to give him a little bit of my time in the morning? And then the idea of service. As we have communed with God in the morning, do we get a clear distinction of what God 
And are we staying focused on what he is expecting of us? Am I a kingdom worker? You know, we're talking about growth in the church today. We're talking about members being added. You know, that's uh, the potential for more productivity in the vineyard, in the kingdom of God. Uh, I believe we need to talk to him daily, in the morning, as David is doing here, about the problems that maybe we're going to encounter. Maybe the problems we're anticipating. Talk to God about them. He has the answers. It'll take the weight off of your shoulders. Don't go through life. Don't go through the day with carrying the burden of life on your shoulders. God wants to do that for you and with you. He is our king. We simply are the servants and the subjects. We're, we're, down, at the, we're down at the bottom. Uh, and it really doesn't matter where your mailbox is back there uh, on our church wall. You know, we're, we're all equals together in the brotherhood. And uh, mine happens to be last and Arnie's is first. I thought that was interesting. But, uh, you know, we, we are builders together in God's kingdom. And uh, it's for His glory that we serve in this church. Well, what about God? That's the third expression that David uses here. When I think about God, I think about power. I think about the, the, the omnipresence of God, the omnipotence of God, which is the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing, omniscience. Self-existent, self-sufficient. There is none like Him. Oh, there are other gods in the world today with a small g desiring to, for our attention and allegiance. Are there idols in my life? You know, I had to think as I thought about the, the aspect of God. You know, how much of this book is, is talking about God's people in history? And then I had to think, you know, how much, how would my life read if it was recorded, you know, in black and white for you to read? Uh, you know, would the history of my life read any different than the children of Israel? You know, it seems like as you go through the time, especially the times of the kings, you know, they, they, they followed the Lord and then they forsook Him. Then they followed the Lord and then they forsook Him. And, uh, you know, those things are there for our learning. And, uh, you know, they follow other gods. They allowed the peer pressure of the nations around them to, to, to drive them away from God and to, they forsook God. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but there's something else here. Those are the three words that God that David uses to address God he says my lord my king and my god but look what David I was impressed with David's uh, communication too he says in those first three verses he says he uses this expression he says my words my meditations so he's talking about the vocal expressions that he's giving and then he's also talking about the thoughts that he has toward God and then he says my cry my voice and my prayer I thought that was kind of interesting that David used those different expressions in his communication with God. And I like to think those are different levels of communication. You know, words, we talk. Uh, I think it's all right to talk to God as you would a friend. Even vocally sometimes. Uh, we do it. I mean, we should do it in prayer. Uh, prayer meeting, we, have, we pray audibly so those around us can hear. But even if you're by yourself sometimes, I think it's good to talk to God like you would a friend. 
Uh, I'm not trying to lower God to a level, but I, God is our friend. And uh, He understands us better than anyone else can or could. What about the idea of meditation? You know, just a checkpoint. How often do I think and meditate about who God is and what He wants me to do and how am I doing in relation to Him? The idea of David, he says, cry. Uh, I guess I get the impression of uh, urgency, dependence, and depra- uh, desperation perhaps. You know, and again, this comes back to the illustration of, of a parent and, uh, and a child crying. And uh, I debated whether I should use this illustration because it's personal. But, you know, there's, there's nothing that gets a, a parent's attention quicker than a, a, a child's cry. And this happened, I won't identify the child. This happened long ago. Uh, we were sleeping. We had, the house where we lived, we had moved to, and it was probably within the first year, perhaps, that we were living there. Um, I guess that gives it away, doesn't it? Who <laughs> the child was. <laughs> I didn't name him, though. <laughs> but we were doing remodeling, and uh, we had a stairs. We had moved the stairs from the center of the house, which was... Uh, like about six-inch risers, we, we made it a more gentle stairs and wider and broader. And at the top of that stairs was an open bedroom, which was a child's room. And that child was sleeping in his crib. And uh, middle of the night one night, we got I don't remember if the lost or I woke up first, but I remember hearing that cry of, of a child scared. And uh, we heard it first, and it sounded like it was in the room. And then... The next time we heard it, it sounded like it was going down the stairs. And then the next time we heard it, it sounded like it was further away yet. And, you know, of course, waking up middle of the night out of your sound sleep, and you hear your child crying, and, you know, the first thoughts that came into my mind was, you know, oh, someone's abducting my child. Because it was going down through the stairs and out, to, out the house. And uh, so, I, you know, of course, I come tearing down through the stairs and after this noise and... Uh, here he was, he was less than one, I guess, because he wasn't walking. And uh, he was laying, the stairs didn't have a railing on yet, I don't think, because he had gotten off the side of the stairs and had landed on an end table that was sitting there at the bottom of the stairs, uh, laying there on his belly crying, and had knocked off a, a big glass uh, globe that had a garden in it, geranium or whatever you call them. And uh, that was laying shattered on the floor around the end table. And... Uh, you know that was kind of a that was kind of breathtaking. You know, there's your child, uh, and you know you think of what could have happened. You know, had he taken another tumble off that end table down in that glass, sharp glass pieces. Well, that was a cry, an example of a cry. Do we cry to the Lord? And uh, you know, it all turned out well. Nobody was abducting my child, but uh, you know, it's an illustration. Does God understand? Uh, do we cry to Him in desperation? God is, there are times I believe we need to cry to God. I believe it's all right to cry to God. When we're at, in desperation, we need Him. And uh, I believe God is more willing than I was as a parent to wake up out of my sleep and identify that child and go to the need of that individual. I thought about the aspect of voice. David used the expression of voice. I thought of John 10. You know, we have in the scripture there that very vivid illustration of the good shepherd and sheep 
God knows your voice as a good shepherd knows his, and the sheep know his voice. Do I know his voice? The aspect of prayer, David uses that aspect too in his communications. I like to think that's a heart level of communication. God wants us to pray to him. We need to pray to him. Matter of fact, it's, it's deeper than a heart level. I'd say it's a spiritual level of communication. Matter of fact, the scriptures tell us that, you know, we don't know how to pray. The Spirit will intercede in our behalf. Uh, and there are times that you, if you've never been there, there are times that you can get there. You know, you just absolutely don't know how you ought to pray. Don't worry about it. Let God take your thoughts, your meditations, and He knows your heart's burden. He knows your thoughts. He knows what you want. If you can't put it into words, that's no problem. God knows He's got it all figured out. He knows exactly what you need and what your heart's desire is. And uh, we communicate and fellowship with Him on a spiritual level. So it's all right to tell God sometimes, God, I just don't know. I just don't know how to pray. Uh, And then just sit and listen and meditate and let God's Spirit take it from there. Let the Holy Spirit take it from there. He will communicate in our behalf. Well, we need to move on here. Uh, the second point, as I looked at the third, the first point here, that of uh, communicating with God, the second point here that I want to uh, draw your attention to here is in verses 4 through 6, we have a very, cons- a very simple and concise statement describing what God doesn't like. David kind of goes on further, and he tells us there are some things and helps us to understand God better. He says there are some things that that if we're going to fellowship, if we're going to communicate with God, they just cannot be a part of our, uh, our experience. Notice in verses 4 and 6, it says, He has no pleasure in wickedness. There is no place for evil. Uh, the idea of foolish is mentioned there. Verse 5, The foolish shall not stand uh, in thy sight. Thou hatest all the workers of iniquity. That word foolish, the NIV actually translates arrogant. And uh, perhaps it helps us to understand that it's, a, it's, it's something worse than just simply being foolish. Uh, although it is foolish to be arrogant before God. Very foolish. Uh, the NIV translates it arrogant. And I, thought, I like that expression. Perhaps it's a little bit better. Uh, because really we have no premises, no basis on which to be proud when we approach God. We are so dependent upon Him. He is who He is and we are who we are. And we can't change that. It's only as God works in our lives and makes us into something of worth and glory that He can be glorified through our beings of dust and dirt and feeble efforts that God can take that and make it into something of of value and, and use to Him. talks about the workers of iniquity are hated by God. Uh, verse 6, I don't know if you noticed that. I, it says, Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. Again, that's another word we, uh, we, we're not... The translation here would actually be those that are lying, I believe. Uh, again, those that who are speaking lies. Uh, King James here uses the word leasing talks about uh, the bloody, or the, again, the NIV would translate it, those that are bloodthirsty. No regard for life. 
simply uh, going for what they want regardless of, of, of the cost and uh, the price that has to be paid. talks about the idea of deceitfulness, uh, the bloody and deceitful man. These are all things that God does not, cannot tolerate. God does not, if you want to approach God, these things cannot be a part of your experience. Um, deceitful would have the idea of being deceptive, dishonest. You know, we, need, we can't fool God anyway. We can fool some of the people, but we can't fool God. If these have been part of our experience, we need to confess them, and He, God, is ready to forgive them. Going to the third point, verses 7 and 8, David picks out, he says, God wants to be our guide. Why is it important that we, we communicate with God? Well, we need a guide. We need help. Verses 7 and 8, it talks about uh, worship. He says, and that's what we're doing this morning. We're worshiping in a collective way. Now, we need to worship daily, all the time. Uh, Sunday morning is, is a good time to worship collectively, but throughout the week, in the morning, or if you have your devotions in the evening, that's all right, too. Uh, but you need to worship God. David here, he says, I will come into thy house... In, or pardon me, yes. But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy, and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Someone has said when our worship is right, then all else is right. And I think that is true. When our worship is what it ought to be, I believe it takes care of everything else. We need to worship God daily in reverence. Ask Him to lead you through the day's activities. Uh, I like the way David describes it here in verse 8. He says, Make thy way straight before my face. Uh, have you prayed that recently? Sometimes we struggle with knowing what God's will is for our lives. Well, I've said this before and you've probably heard it. Sometimes the biggest struggle is doing what we know God's will is for our lives. Uh, we kind of sometimes wish God would tell us something different. But some, the way, I believe, is will be straight before you. Uh, and you can take me to task on that. There are times that we sometimes struggle, but I, I question whether the struggle is with us or uh, is it the fact that God is withholding something from us. I, I rather put the blame on us that we are not probably where we ought to be in commitment or devotion. Uh, I believe God is fair. God is open. And uh, you may think about the example of Abraham. Uh, you know, there were some things that were hard for him to understand, too. But yet, he followed God, and uh, God rewarded him. And uh, we maybe don't, sometimes I think we, at, we want to see the end, at, the end at the end of the way. Uh, we want to know what's, what's ahead, but God doesn't deal with us that way. He just shows us what we can handle one step at a time. But that way is straight before our face, I believe. If we're willing to follow, it will be there. We can know. We can do what God wants us to do. We can go the way that God wants us to walk. God's way is before us this morning, and uh, we want to walk in that straight way. There may be things we don't understand. There may be things we do not see. But by the grace of God, as we talked in our Sunday school lesson, we can be faithful in taking it one day at a time. That's what we're talking about, one day at a time. Uh, 
in our commitment, in our devotion to Him. So many times we want to see the broader picture. David here, in particular in verse 8, he says, uh, he's asking for the Lord to lead him because of his enemies. We have an enemy, an adversary, that is after our souls. We cannot afford to try and trod the way in our own strength. We need God's guidance and help, even as David here acknowledges. And I, it's, it's very likely this psalm was written uh, perhaps when Absalom, I'm not 100% sure, was uh, uh, perhaps usurping the throne here from David. And uh, I believe it was very real to him. His enemies were seeking his way, and he was praying to God. David had a very good outlook on, and very good plan in place on, in, in arriving at where God wanted him to be. Ask God to lead you because you personally have an enemy of your soul. And we need God's guidance. Fourth point, verses 9 and 10. Uh, David here again, he says, uh, uh, he's talking about their, the enemies. He says their mouth, their throat. I thought that was interesting. He uses the three different uh, elements of their vocal expression. He says their mouth, their throat, and their tongue. Uh, is that dangerous? <laughs> well, the scriptures say there's enough of dangerous in our mouth. We can bless, we can curse. The scriptures also tell us that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And uh, David seemed to have a good grasp of that. He realized his enemies were out to get him verbally, perhaps, as well as physically. Uh, notice what it says here uh, in verse 10. He says, Destroy thou them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions. For they have rebelled against thee. Uh, David here, they were not just simply David's enemies, but they were also God's enemies. David here, I believe, is... is uh, I don't think David was necessarily seeking personal vindication of his enemies. Uh, although it maybe reads like that as you read over it first. But I believe it's, it, you get the, uh, the depth of these transgressors, these enemies of David's. They were, they were not just simply David's personal, they didn't have a fallout. They, didn't just simply, they, weren't in the wrong, they weren't in the right political party for sure, but they were also not in the right spiritual party. They were enemies of God. And that's, that's serious. God, David here says, they have rebelled against thee. And that puts an element of weight and uh, responsibility uh, on those transgressors because of who they were and who they were pursuing. They were pursuing actually God's anointed, if in, this indeed was written as David was, uh, or as Absalom was uh, seeking the throne from David. Well, I want to conclude on a positive note here in verses 11 through 12. And this should be our daily experience. And I like the way David brings it all together here at the conclusion of this psalm. He says, in the morning, we come to him, we talk to him, we, we seek his way, we seek his guidance. Uh, we know there's enemies out there seeking our lives, seeking to destroy us. 
But you know then, verses 11 and 12 are, are verses that I can give to you to take home through the next week forever to put your trust. He says, let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Uh, God is a God that we can depend on. We can trust in Him. Uh, and it doesn't matter what the news media says. It doesn't matter what happens to the world or. Our God is a God that we can trust. Uh, talks about the idea of rejoicing. Let them put their trust in Thee and rejoice and let them shout for joy. We need to vocalize our trust and our uh, relationship with and appreciation for God and who He is in our lives. Uh, it talks about uh, having a sense of God's presence in our lives because Thou defendest them. Do you sense God's presence in your life on a daily basis? Uh, you know, as you talk with Him in the morning, uh, let Him know that you're counting on Him. You're depending on Him. You want to feel His presence in your life in a personal way. Let them that love Thy name be joyful in Thee. I think it's good to look for the little things in life. Look for... Sometimes we, we get distracted by the important things, the big things, but... I think daily, to keep us and sustain us, keep our focus on God, our, our uh, trust in God, look for the little things that God brings in on a daily basis to keep, uh, to keep us safe, to keep us on the straight and narrow way. And, uh, you know, it'll go a long way in keeping us joyful. Uh, big things don't happen every day, usually. At least they don't in my life. Maybe I'm telling on myself. Sometimes uh, too many big things happen. But, but you know, the little things are the things to me that are important. And I, I treasure them. And I like to challenge you to treasure them. And see God through the little things in life. For thou, O Lord, wilt bless the righteous with favor. Wilt thou compass him as with a shield. Now those are... That's a, that's a powerful statement to realize that, that we can have that trust in God that He will be our defender. He will uh, compass us about as with a shield. And we have a protection that, that is unequal to anything else that we'll ever experience in life. I wanted to mention about, I mentioned love. Let them also that love there in verse 8. You know, measure your love uh, of God by His by your consciousness of Him in a daily way. Uh, you know we have our uh, semi-annual communion council meetings, and we sometimes stand up and give testimonies, and that's good. But I I I think we need to replace it with something more important than that. And that's a daily communion with God. Uh, I mean I shouldn't say replace it. I think that still needs to be part of it. But I what I'm saying is I think we need to daily. And maybe we do daily. We should daily. We can't replace it with a, uh, something that happens twice a year or even perhaps oftener. But uh, measure your love of God by your consciousness of Him in your life, His working in your life on a daily basis. What has God done in your life today? What will He do in your life tomorrow with anticipation and throughout the next week? May God help us to truly... Learn from the example of David as we think of our commitment to him. And whether you are a morning lark or a night owl, 
And whether you are in the progress of changing as you age, uh, I'm happy to let that with the Lord. But I do know that you need to have fellowship with the Lord. And uh, that morning is from 12 midnight to 12 noon. So sometime in that span, uh, we need to have fellowship. We need to communicate with him and uh, find out what his plans are for our lives in a very practical way. Shall we kneel for prayer?